What is good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And on this episode, episode 78, I am going to talk about the Arapaho Youth League playoffs uh, on the 8th grade level for this 2021 season. Now, my other co-host, Mason Austin, will be joining me. He went to two other games, and so he will be covering those games on my own. But for the most part, we attended pretty much the majority of these playoffs except for one tier. Now, before I move on, I know our listeners out there are probably wondering, oh, where's uh, the regular season recap for, you know, the high school level, right? Because the last week of the regular season for most of the teams in Colorado happened last week. Well, that episode will be a special episode that should come out tomorrow after this one. And so when this episode drops, it'll be Tuesday. And then when that high school episode drops, not only are we going to talk about the last week of the regular season for most of these teams, but it's also going to be our playoff prediction episode. So we're going to have the whole crew on and we're going to predict the playoffs, talk about some of the key games in that last season. And then of course, give out player of the week awards per usual. And so that's just how we're going to roll this week because, you know, this Arapo Youth League playoffs uh, this last weekend, it was fire. There was a lot going on, and so it deserves um, all, all the justice and all the coverage in the world, man. There are a lot of good players that showed out in these playoffs on Saturday, and so we want to make sure we give the appropriate time to talk about these kids and spotlight them as well and then in addition we are actually going to give uh player of the game awards for each or well for all the playoff games that we went to and so we as a podcast group decided on most of these awards together obviously if only one of us was able to make the game then you know we decided on those uh, uh, awards pretty much single-handedly but you know with the advisory of the rest of the guys on this podcast so just wanted to throw that out there before we kind of got into this playoff coverage here so let's go ahead and get into it i am actually going to start with the tier that we were not able to make out to playoff games for just because we couldn't arrange our schedule i guess quick enough for that but i want to talk about them because we will be going to their super bowl game uh at arapahoe high school by the way on november 6th that is a saturday and so let me go ahead and talk about them right here so on one half of this bracket we had bruins white coached by coach lance versus eagles iron uh coached by coach martinez that really wasn't that close of a game the bruins won 34 to six to go ahead and get into the super bowl here and then on the other side we had a pretty close game uh spartans chrome they beat hawks royal 16 to 14 in a pretty close matchup and so shout out to our boy on bruins white actually jake kim he sent us a message and so we got a list of players to look out for for this Bruins white team. Um, once again, shout out to our boy over there. If you know anybody on Spartans Chrome and you're listening to this, uh, feel free to send us a DM. We'd love to know some players to look out for for this playoff game. But um, this championship game, the Super Bowl game between Bruins white and Spartans Chrome will be the first Super Bowl to be played at Arapahoe High School. They will be playing, once again, like I said, November 6th, Saturday at 9 a.m., bright and early. And so that's when all of these Super Bowls will get started, starting with that one. Now, the next Super Bowl 
that will be played after this Bruins White and Spartans Chrome one will involve one of these teams from the Spartans Black versus Warriors Scarlet game. This is the Aurora Spartans team that we've been following all season, led by DJ Bordeaux, along with Tanner, Juice, Starling, the entire crew. And you know what? This was a heck of a game. This was a close one. A lot went down here. So let me go ahead and jump into it. So to start out this game, this was definitely one of those high part hitting games right off the bat. Um, the Spartans would actually kick off to the Warriors to start this game, and the Warriors got the ball, but the Spartans defense showed that they were here to play, and they played great today, as you will hear, uh, starting right off the bat with a three and out. I believe CW on the Spartans team got a huge hit on in the backfield on third down, but I know Sterling Dufour, he also had some tackles for losses on this first drive as well, and so the Spartans team came to play, forced a three and out. But... You know what? So did this Warriors team. They forced a three and out of their own. And so, you know, they're definitely feeling each other, these two teams, to get started, you know, but playing hard regardless. Now, it's still the first quarter, but the Warriors do get a very key pass interference call that they call on the Spartans. This happened on third down, which resulted in the first first down of this game, I'm pretty sure. And so because of this, at this point, the Warriors are driving. They actually get into the red zone, I want to say. But there's no room to panic because the Spartans defense stands strong one more time. And actually on a fourth down play, number seven, the quarterback for this Warriors team would scramble to the right. And this Spartans team would stuff him short of the red zone and on fourth down causing a turnover of downs. And then basically it's 0-0 going into the second quarter with a huge stop by the Spartans defense. But on the other side of the ball, this Spartans offense had some trouble uh, just going, you know. They were kind of sputtering here and there. They would get some good plays and whatnot, but it would basically result in a punt and no points for most of their offensive drives uh, leading into this second quarter and the first score of the game. And so actually the Warriors would score first in this game, and so... You know, the Spartans, they weren't making it easy on them, you know. Uh, they were really making them battle for pretty much every down, every yard. Um, and the Warriors, to their credit, put together a very good drive getting into the red zone one more time. Once they got into the red zone, you know, at least in my opinion, it was obvious they wanted to get it to their big man, number 22. He plays tight, and he's kind of a taller receiver as well. And uh, just get him a receiving touchdown because he's kind of a mismatch. The Spartans, well, really, not just the Spartans, but most teams don't really have a player that is as tall as him to go head-to-head, -head, uh, at least one-on-one. And so... You know, basically, they call two slants to him. The first slant, um, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to blame number 22 necessarily, but the ball was a little overthrown. 22 tried to snag it with one hand. He couldn't get it. And then they would get it on fourth down. Um, basically, same play. Perfect pass. 22, he walks and scores. They would miss the extra point kick. And so it would be 6-0 Warriors uh, to get the first score of the game. Now, like I said, this Spartans offense was struggling a little bit to start out this game, and they would continue because they would get the ball back and they'd be driving, but 
unfortunately there would be a tip pass on a slant route that DJ threw wasn't necessarily DJ's fault I would say um, but the ball was tipped and number 14 on the Warriors would intercept it and so that kind of kept the momentum for this Warriors team going here but like I said the Spartans defense they came to play because right after that interception, they got a very, very important three and out that just kills all that momentum for the Warriors. Kind of makes it a little bit more of an even game there. And the Spartans get the ball back. But fortunately, you know, there's still struggles for the Spartans offense in the second quarter. And, you know, they fumble on third down. Um, and it was a key down, you know, DJ, he was scrambling around and he did fumble the ball. It wasn't a good play, but it was a great play by this Warriors defense. But speaking of defense, the Spartans defense for the second straight time gets another three and out after the turnover, shutting down this Warriors offense, giving back that momentum to the Spartans, or at least making it even at this point. But <laughs> the struggles kind of continue. They find themselves in a fourth down situation and, you know, they want to go for it. They're trying to get something on the board by half at least, but it ends up being a turnover on downs. And so once again, the Spartans come out without scoring. But luckily enough, this defense for the third straight time step up. But instead of a three and out, number 15, and you already know, I got to say his full name here. Tanner Hammett Tesdall, and hopefully I'm saying his last name right there, but Tanner, he comes up with a huge interception at safety, and even, let me go rewind a play before on second down, you know, this, honestly, this Warriors team, they really wanted to knock out the Spartans team, because they felt like at this point, like, yo, we got two turnovers, and we still like haven't scored yet really three turnovers now and they haven't scored yet and so they were trying to throw deep trying to get a big time play for a touchdown here so that they could kind of you know get get another one over the Spartans just in case because this is a very explosive offense you need to be up by two scores to feel comfortable and so the Spartans, I believe they were in a cover two at this point, at least I want to say. And so they kind of test Tanner deep here and they try to throw it in between the safeties. But Tanner, he gets in there, gets a huge hit and just absolutely rocks the receiver on that second down. Then on third down, you know, they try to test it again, but this time they're basically throwing his way and they want to test him deep. But he goes ahead and he fields that interception pretty easily and he returns it something like 60 yards. So it wasn't like, you know, he got the interception and then fell down like nah He returned at 60 yards and got the Spartans basically into the red zone And this, you know, really helped the offense because they really have to only go 20 yards at this point And so the defense, you know Already in this first half, they've had three three and outs after the touchdown, they also stopped the PAT. You know, you could probably argue that the kicker kind of just uh, wasn't that good either. And maybe they shouldn't have kicked the PAT. But the, still, it's 6-0. It could be, you know, 8-0 or 7-0 at this point. But they stopped that. And then they also have this key interception that sets up the offense perfectly. Probably the most perfect uh, position they've been in all day. And so right after that, you know, this Spartans offense, they're put in a great spot. The defense, they've stood strong. They've had their back. Offense says, yo, let me go ahead and repay you here. And so on the very next play, 
DJ Bordeaux gets a 20-yard rushing touchdown with fantastic blocking by everyone. If I could shout out everyone on their offensive line, I would because they played excellent. They basically almost all pancaked or beat uh, the person in front of them and then moved on to the next level. And then the receivers as well. I know Juice was out there. I want to say Tanner was out there as well. They blocked and just pancaked their guys and they cleared the way for DJ. He basically walked 20 yards into the end zone. He only really had to beat one guy. I think it was the safety who came down, but that was pretty easy. Then he walked 20 yards in to make it 6-6 to tie up this game very, very late in the second quarter. But there is another part to this scoring touchdown, and it is the extra point. They decide to go for two, um, so they snap the ball. The snap basically hits the ground, and DJ has to recover it, and he's like rolling out for his life. Tanner still runs the same route, and so DJ, that makes it easier for DJ. He throws it Tanner's way. He grabs it. It's 8-6 to six all of a sudden, and the Spartans are leading with all of the momentum going into halftime here. Now, it's a one-score game. You know, it was a one-score game throughout this whole first half. And so, the vibes on the sideline, I imagine both sidelines were like, yo, anybody could win this game, but we gotta be on top of it. This Spartans defense, uh, at least in my opinion, they were playing outside of their mind. They were playing lockdown defense. This uh, Spartans offense, you know, they weren't playing, like, horrible, but they were getting some first downs here and there. They just couldn't finish drives, so they just had to finish drives from here on out. That was the biggest thing for the Warriors, you know. I mean, you gotta score off of turnovers. That's just what it is, and that's really, I guess, any football team. You gotta score off of turnovers, but them especially, they basically got three turnovers and could not score. Uh, and part of that is thanks to the Spartans defense, so there you go. But let me go ahead and hop into this third quarter here. So, Spartans, they get the ball, they're driving, and DJ Bordeaux, he rips off a 25-yard touchdown run uh, on fourth down, actually, but it is erased because of a holding call. Now, DJ, he does scramble again um, on fourth down, but he comes up short literally by inches. In my opinion, you know, the placing of the ball may have been a little off, a little bit more favoring towards the Warriors. But regardless, you know, they don't get it. It's a turnover on downs. But no worries. When you got a turnover on downs, the Spartans defense got you because they had another three and out. Led by Sterling Dufour and CW. Now, these are two names you gotta know going in. Sterling Dufour, he's one of the best linebackers in the state, period, on this 8th grade level moving forward. And they get a huge tackle for loss on 3rd down, shutting down yet another Warriors drive. Well, if you could call it that, but another Warriors drive after a Spartans turnover giving the offense the ball back. And then on this next drive, you know, the Spartans say, yo, we're just going to go ground and pound. And so on this drive, they just straight run the ball with Sterling Dufour, uh, Ethan Ruff, I want to say, DJ Bordeaux, and they just keep running the ball into the, into the red zone. This is kind of a longer drive, I would say, uh, about 50-plus yards, and they're just running the ball here uh, until they get into the red zone. And then this is where... It got started for the Spartans here. I believe it was fourth down. DJ Bordeaux finds Julian Savaloha, a.k.a. Juice, a.k.a. number 10. Uh, first off, on a beautiful throw by DJ, but on an even better catch by Juice. A toe-tap touchdown, making it 14-6 to on fourth down. 
Now, I'm not even going to lie, you know, that was a heck of a play. Obviously, a great play by DJ getting it into the right spot for Juice, but Juice completing that play, a toe-tap touchdown, and it wasn't an easy catch. It, shoot, it was a fantastic catch, and I heard the head coach for the Spartans, he was hollering, and he was all like, that's an NFL catch, that's an NFL catch, and I'd have to agree, it was as good as it got, that was a highlight play, uh, like, oh my god, it was, it was really good, and that kind of started, you know, it, it gave a little bit more juice, ironically, to the Spartans offense, and they got rolling after that, and luckily they did, because right after that, the Warriors got a 55-yard touchdown run, I'm not sure who it was, but regardless, they got it and responded right back to the Spartans. Now, this defense, not to be outshined just yet, get a huge stuff on a toss play. Number 74 current for the Spartans uh, gets a huge stuff for the Spartans defense, keeping it 14-12 to 12 Spartans leading right now. Now we're in the fourth quarter. It's 14-12. to 12. It is a one-score game. And so, <laughs> you know, the Spartans, they do find themselves uh, in a fourth down situation. But DJ Bordeaux, he runs the ball. He finds a lane uh, leading into the outside and rips off a very nice 40-yard run. And it, by the way, this was in Spartans territory. And so this was a run that got them into Warriors territory here. But this 40-yard run was huge on fourth down kept this drive going but right after that he found juice on a 40 yard reception you know this warriors team they started pressing juice so juice you know he him being kind of the speedster of this squad all season he burns him and he goes ahead and makes an excellent catch here uh he kind of mosses this dude and then not only does he like shove him down but he like tries to reach over for the touchdown I thought he was in. This play was hyped, by the way, because he basically steps over the dude and lunges to get in. And I thought he was in, but the refs, they mark him, you know, down on the one. And so that's that. But no worries. The Spartans, they go ahead and run quarterback power with DJ. He gets an easy one-yard touchdown run set up by this 40-yard catch by Juice. After that, number 15, Tanner, once again comes up big. He gets the two-point conversion catch, I want to say, and it makes it a 22-12 game with the Spartans leading in this fourth quarter. Now, the Spartans' defense, you know, once again, uh, they came up big. They didn't get a three and out this time, but they still stopped this Warriors team from scoring and give the Spartans the ball back. At this point, the Spartans are in the driver's seat, and, you know, they could either run out the clock or they could go for the dagger. They chose to go for the dagger. And so, once again, DJ Bordeaux dials it up to his guy, number 10, Juice, for a 45-yard touchdown reception on an absolute moss by juice he just it's 101 you know it's a 101 play and you could argue that it's a 50 50 ball you know whatever you want but juice he proves he's the better player and he just absolutely beats the corner like he just out muscles this corner and he mosses him and catches this 45 yard touchdown and you know what sterling before he would also go ahead and get the two-point conversion run on this play making it 30 to 12 Spartans leading in the fourth quarter. Now the Warriors, 
not necessarily done quite yet because they put together a good drive. The quarterback for the Warriors does get a 10-yard touchdown run, making it 30-20 to still in this fourth quarter. And so this game is not over. The Warriors could still get a stop right here, score, kick an onside kick, and then potentially be in a position to score one more time for the game. And so... You know, the Spartans, they want to put them away. And so uh, on this drive, the Spartans, they're just driving, you know. They're driving. It's a very methodical drive, running the ball, using up as much of the clock as they can, getting some easy passes here and there as well. But this drive does end in an excellent play where DJ Bordeaux, you know, I believe the pocket collapses. And so it's just a straight scrambling drill at this point. He's just trying to get outside and find a receiver. And once again, he finds his boy, number 10, Juice, for the hat trick. Uh, he gets a 15-yard touchdown reception on a diving catch because DJ, he kind of threw it a little low. Um, but I think it's also because he was getting hit. But no worries, Juice. He goes ahead. He dives for that uh, football. He catches it. It's a touchdown, and it makes it 36-20 to 20, as basically the Spartans put away this Warriors team here and go on to the next round of the playoffs, going to the Super Bowl. Thanks to, honestly, just such a sensational win by this entire team. I cannot talk enough about how great this defense played. They played outside their mind. I just gotta say that. This defense did not allow a single score after a Spartans turnover. You know, they either forced the three and out, a punt, or they would force a turnover. And they only had one turnover this game, and that's Tanner game, that huge interception, which was a very big momentum swing. Not even gonna lie. That was probably one of the biggest plays of this game, that interception there. And so, you know, this defense, they really did a good job this game. They look like a championship defense, which is why they will be playing in the championship game. And so I cannot talk enough about them. When all was said and done... They had four three-and-out drives, not to mention they also had a number of drives where they forced the other team to punt it or turn it over. They had one huge, this was a big one actually, they had one big red zone stop as well. They have an interception, you know, this defense played as well as you could. So for that, shout out to Sterling Dufour, Brandon Lee, CW, number 74, current, the whole squad, uh, Julian Juice, by the way, he was playing corner, he, I, I think he only allowed one big catch, but other than that, he was locking up pretty much all game, every time they were trying to, you know, throw it deep, he would lock up that receiver, and then allow his safeties to help him out as well, and so they were playing extremely good football on that Saturday, I cannot talk about that enough. But you know what? Shout out to the offense as well. They did a good job. You know, this trio of DJ Bordeaux, Tanner, Juice, the whole squad, um, they they played well. They woke up in the second half. You know, Tanner, uh, I don't think he got any, like, rushing touchdowns or receiving touchdowns this game, but he was doing such a good job moving the chains as well as a blocker, you know, he was a big part of this offense, doing a lot of the dirty work for the Spartans team, uh, shout out to Justin Van as well, number 99, he had some great blocking in there for some of these runs too, uh, I mean, you can't not talk about him, he was doing his thing, just absolutely dominating his DB over there, and then, 
Obviously, I, I at least in my opinion, I think this is probably an obvious one. Julian Savaloha, aka Juice, aka number 10 for this Aurora Spartans team. He played excellent, just with big splash plays in the end zone when you needed them. Um, just big splash plays in general, you know, throughout this entire game. Obviously, he had that hat trick with three touchdowns on defense. You know, he locked up. He did his thing for the most part. Don't believe he allowed any receiving touchdowns. At least I don't think so. And so he obviously wins player of the game for this first playoff game for the Spartans. Now on the other side of this bracket, you have Raptors Black versus SJ Gray, AKA South Jeffco uh, Gray. I think their real name is the Outlaws. And so I actually showed up for the first part of this game, but Mason Austin, he stayed for that entire game. So I'm gonna go ahead and let him discuss that here. Hey, how's it going, everyone? My name is Mason Awesome. This is the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are going to go ahead and talk about this AYL playoff game for Arapaho Youth League. We had the Raptor Black versus the South Jeffco Gray. I believe South Jeffco goes by the Outlaws. South Jeffco did go ahead and get the ball to start, where they ended up getting a couple good plays where they started running the ball right from the beginning. I uh, got third and 14, and then number 42 had like a four-yard reception. Uh, it was great coverage by this, you know, Raptors black team, but it was a turnover on downs. This Raptor black team came out running the ball nice and stout, where number 17 ended the drive with a 50-yard touchdown run, putting them up 8-0 after completing the two-point conversion. On the next drive, South Jeffco did come out and throw a couple incompletions. Number 13 did miss a catch, and then they ended up punting. Raptor Black team was right back at it, but South Jeffco was stopping them. Uh, did go ahead and force it all the way to the end of the one, making it 8-0 at the end of the first quarter, where number 42 for the South Jeffco team did get a pick. Number 26 had a beautiful first down run to start the drive and then finished the drive with another, you know, touchdown run where he ended up, they ended up getting the two-point conversion and tying it up 8-8. Eight, eight. Uh, sometime in the second, I hate not being able to see the clock. Now on this next drive, the Raptors did go ahead and get the ball. They started driving, you know, they had a 28-yard first down run by number 40. Then number nine stuffed the run up the middle for South Jeffco. And then number 48, South Jeffco, it stuffed him again. But then they did get a horse collar by South Jeffco, which gave him the first down. In the end, this South Jeffco defense did prevail and force a turnover on downs. South Jeffco started this next drive with a uh, holding call. But then number four, uh, number 33, sorry, went for a four-yard game. They went for another run after that. That brought them up to a third and one where they took their time out. Then on the backs of number 33, 42, 33, and number 18 in that consecutive order, they went ahead and just started driving through the, the ground, which then number 10 got his first catch for a one-yard gain. Then an incompletion where they were on the goal line. I think it was about second and goal, a four-yard touchdown from number zero. Uh, South Jeffco, they did go ahead and miss the extra point when they tried to kick a field goal and went up 14 to 8. This next drive, 
uh, was led by number 17 originally for this Raptors team. He seemed to be their go-to guy, but uh, he did go down on, like, the second play of this drive, which was, like, not great to see, but he did get back in the game later on. Uh, he got stuffed. Um, it was a pretty good shot down the side. But they did stall out and end up going to a 4th and 9 where they did punt the ball. On the next drive, number 9 of the South Jeffco team found number 32 for a 19-yard touchdown pass. He had some zip on this ball, and yeah, this kid had a pretty great arm for his age, bringing South Jeffco up 22-8, to and that would take us into halftime. South Jeffco up 22-8. To start the second half, the Raptors did get the ball. Number 17 was stuffed by number zero of this South Jeffco team. He seemed kind of unblockable at the middle um, in the first half, but they were running on the outside, so it didn't affect the Raptors as much. Second, they started running up the middle at the beginning of this game. Number zero took, took control. Uh, then there was an incompletion. It was fourth down where the Raptors did go ahead and punt. This South Jeffco team did start leaning on their running back, number 20. Five yards, four yards, two yards. Then number nine found number 18 for a first down throw. It was about seven yards. Uh, number 20 got a six-yard gain. Number 20 stuffed up the middle. Uh, then they had a false start. This is where this Raptors team was, you know, really looking for a play. And number 17 came through. Uh, this quarterback of uh, the South Jeffco team stepped back. Threw a ball, didn't even see number 17, who did a perfect ball hawking in the air, like acrobatic catch for a pick. They started driving on this next drive. Number 17 started with a 12-yard gain. South Jeffco took a timeout to try and, you know, settle down their guys. Then uh, they came out, and South Jeffco got a, a face mask call. Then right after the face mask, uh, there was a number 9, took it for 6 yards for this Raptors team. But the number 14 did go ahead and fumble. For the Raptors and gave the ball back to South Jeffco. Where they started pounding the rock. Number 20 took it for 9, 5, 3, 5. Then there was a horse collar. And then, then there was a timeout by this Raptors team. Uh, number 20 took it for 8 yards for another touchdown run. Uh, putting this South Jeffco team up 28-8. to eight. This Raptors team did get the ball about at the 20. And number 17 came out again. Went for 21 yards. You know, this kid is an athlete, and you could definitely tell he was playing his heart out this game. Uh, that ended the third quarter, 28-8. to Number 17 came out of the end of the quarter, um, and they handed the ball off and did a kind of like a weird screen setup where number 40 took it 40 yards on a touchdown run, I guess touchdown screen, uh, making it 28-16 to start the fourth. And then here's where number nine for this South Jeffco team started slinging the rock. He hit number 15 for a 15-yard gain. Then he had number 21-yard gain. Then they handed it off to number 20 for a 40-yard gain. Then he found number 18 for a touchdown pass, 22 yards down the sideline. Uh, South Jeffco up 36-16 at this point. Uh, number 17 did have a 45-yard return coming back for this Raptors team. But on that return, number 22 did go ahead and get a block in the back, where number 18 threw a pick six, where the South Jeffco team took it to the house, making it 44-16. It was on a missed bubble pass. Uh, after this, number nine got an 11-yard gain. Uh, they handed it off to number 17 a couple times, trying to make anything happen, where the time just ran out for this Raptors gray team. So this South Jeffco 
team will be going to the Super Bowl. Now, I saw both of these squads playing their hearts out, but the top players that I saw mainly like playing their hearts out for this Raptors team, so I saw number 17. He was just balling. Everything he was doing was trying to make everything happen, and you could tell this Raptors team really relied on him. Um, I'm glad to see that he was okay after that injury. Uh, for the South Jeffco team, they leaned on number 20. He just ran the rock very solidly for him. But this number nine, where they were running a bit of a hurry-up offense, and this number nine was killing it. He was doing a great job, you know, calling the plays at the line, getting the plays done, doing what he had to do to get the rock in the people's hands that needed to make plays. Uh, I'm going to give my player of the game to number nine of this South Jeffco gray team. So congratulations, South Jeffco. This is Mason Austin at the Playmakers Corner. And uh, good luck in the Super Bowl. All right. So you heard it there. You know, the South Jeffco Outlaws will be facing off with Spartans Black, uh, a.k.a. the Aurora Spartans, the team we've been following all season. Like I said, November 6th, Saturday at 11.30 a.m. It will be at Arapaho High School. We will for sure be there. Now let me go ahead and talk about this Warriors Steel versus Raptors White playoff game. The winner of this playoff game would go ahead and play the winner of that Thunder Gray versus Raptors Green team. Um, Mason Austin, he was actually at that game at Chase Pruitt's game. And so I'll let him talk about that game after I talk about this Warriors Steel versus Raptors White game. Now, <laughs> unlike the Aurora Spartans game, this game was a lot, a lot faster. And it was pretty short, I would say. Um... Look, not a whole ton happened. You know, I personally believe that this Raptors white team seemed just naturally a whole lot better. You know, not to say that this Warriors steel team was bad or anything like that. But this Raptors team was obviously the better team to start off the game. You know, they did force a three and out on the Warriors. Um, and then offensively, they couldn't get anything going. Which, by the way, they have a very run-dominant offense. So, you know, there you go. Both teams, really. Um, but in the second quarter, this Raptors white team would get the fireworks going with this huge 70-yard punt return for a touchdown. Number 13, AJ, I want to say, for the Raptors would go ahead and score that on a beautiful punt return. You know, just reversing fields, finding uh, just a bunch of open field and just sprinting down it for the first touchdown of this game they wouldn't get the pat but it would still be six to zero after that on defense this raptors white team comes up big when number 26 uh charlie wise actually gets a huge interception for this raptors squad that just basically just kills that offensive drive but the warriors you know, they'd go ahead and return the favor. They would get a huge fourth down stop off of a pass deflection. And then that's basically halftime. Uh, <laughs> six to zero Raptors. Now, to get this party started, the Raptors would actually force a fumble. And the number seven, I want to say that's either the quarterback or one of their running backs. They have a lot of running backs, mind you. But number seven, he would run in a touchdown on a stretch run play, making it 12 to zero. And then a lot of time goes by, fourth quarter comes around, and then once again, number seven. 
seven comes up huge with a 35 yard run and then he pounds it in uh five yards for a touchdown run plus the two-point conversion he would also get the two-point conversion as well making it 20 to zero and basically that's how the game ends there weren't any like forced turnovers or touchdowns after that you know i mean they stopped this other team on fourth down but they basically kind of just ran out the clock from there and so uh i feel like this is another obvious one obvious player of the game selection here but number seven for this team definitely gets player of the game for scoring those last two touchdowns uh plus the conversion that puts away this warrior steel team and sends this raptors white team to the Super Bowl against whoever wins this Raptors Green versus Thunder Gray matchup, which I'm going to go ahead and turn over to Mason Austin to talk about right now. How's it going, everyone? My name is Mason Austin. This is the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are covering the AYL playoffs. I'm going to be talking about this Thunder Gray versus Raptor Green game. So, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. Thunder's ball to start. They handed it off to double zero for a one-yard gain. Eight to number two for a 30-yard bubble pass. It was pretty insane to start out the game. They were taking shots. Then uh, number one had a 15-yard gain. Number 21 had a six-yard gain. Number 21 went again to bring it up to first and goal on a one with a 14-yard gain. And then number 14 took it into the touchdown. One-yard gain just like that. Seven up after the... Uh, Extra point was kicked, uh, thunder up. Now the Raptors did go ahead and return the ball to the 30, where number 14 got a short gain for one. Then they got a false start, bringing up a second and 14, where number 21 for this thunder gray defensive line got a tackle for loss, bringing up third and 20. Then number 53 for this defensive line got brought up a fourth and 26. That's their another tackle for loss. This defense started out very strong, and they stuck that way throughout the whole game. They did catch this Thunder squad a little bit anxious and brought them to a 4th and 21 after an offsides call, but they did end up in a Raptor green punt where number 21 on the very next drive took it 6 yards, then they had a false start by the Thunder, uh, which brought up a, you know, like a 2nd and 10, then it was 21, taking it for a 1 yard, bringing up 3rd and 9, timeout Thunder. The number eight found number 53 for four yards, bringing up a fourth and sixth, and then they tried to go for it, but didn't get it. It was a turnover on downs, uh, Raptor green ball. Now in these next two plays, you know, number 14 got stopped directly at the line for this Raptor team. And, you know, these Raptors looked a little bit on edge because this defense for this Thunder team is legit and they were playing legit. Um, But then they did go ahead and hand it off yet again where number 37 took it 15 yards, which ended the first quarter where Thunder was up 7-0. It brought up a third and 16, though. Coming out of that, they did have two plays stuffed, then a penalty, um, which brought them back to about a third and 15. This Raptors team did go ahead and hand it off to number 10 for five yards, bringing up fourth, fourth and 11, sorry. Then there was a false start on the Thunder, bringing up about a fourth and sixth. But the Raptors did go ahead and punt again. This is where the Thunder started running the ball very effectively. Number 53 took it for 12. Then they got stuffed in the back by number 14 of this Raptors team. Uh, number 8 took an incompletion. Then they had a 5-yard run. It was a 4th and 14. So, you know, Thunder was running the ball. But because of that, you know, stuff in the back, it kind of killed their momentum. Uh, Thunder did go ahead and punt. But then on the very next play, number 26 of this Raptors team 
did fumble the ball, and Thunder recovered. But then on that next play, number 21 of this Thunder team fumbled the ball himself, and Raptors got the ball back. So it's back-to-back fumbles. Then it was just a number 14 and one-yard gain. And then this play, I do want to take a second to talk about. Number 33 of this Thunder team got an interception, but it was an acrobatic interception. You know, it was tipped back up in the air after number three of this defense, you know, tapped it out of his hands, bounced off the guy's leg, went into the air, and he was falling down, dropped to his knees, still kept his eye contact on that ball, and made this interception. Um, this was just one of a couple different times that this, you know, Thunder team made some insane plays on this defensive side. And I just wanted to take a second to go ahead and call that out. Now that the Thunder at the ball, they did go ahead and start driving. Where, you know, number 8 found number 14 for 11 yards. Number 21 took a 35-yard touchdown run at the end of that. Uh, bringing it up 14-0 after they did go ahead and kick that extra point. I do want to say this Thunder organization is one of the only teams that I actually see kick field goals. I don't really see a lot of the other squads going for field goals. They usually go for two. This Raptors team did get the ball in the 35, where number 10 was stopped at the line. Number 77 got a three-yard gain, bringing up about a third and a seven. Um, offsides defense for the Thunder, bringing up a third and three, where they had an incompletion. And then number, or not number, fourth and three, Thunder timeout, Raptors punt. Number 58 took it eight yards. Offsides, Raptors brought up another first down. Number 53 took it two yards. Number eight. Took it 12 yards. Um, I want to call out number one on this beautiful block. He was kind of, it was the quarterback and he was running outside. Number one just came down, cracked this linebacker, opening up a beautiful run to give him that 12 yards. Number eight found number 26 for 15 yards. Then after that, number 68 of this defense got pancaked by number 13. Came up swinging punched number 13 in the stomach and did get ejected from this game and I feel like this was a major turning point for this uh you know Raptors green organizations kind of their game uh this kid was probably the biggest guy on their line he got pancaked kind of got a little angry and you know feelings get the best of you sometimes but you just got to hold in you can't come up swinging like that but he did come up swinging Ended up with, you know, him getting ejected, kicked out of the game before halftime. And, you know, this this was a huge moment for this Raptors green team. Thunder tried to throw these beautiful... It was, it was kind of a crazy triple pass. They passed it out to one guy. He passed it back to the quarterback at the edge. They passed it back to number one where he tried to throw a dot down the field. And it was a great pass. He threw it great, but when it... Got there, it did fall incomplete. Then the next play, number eight did throw an INT to number 44, but that would take him to halftime. We're 14-0, Thunder up. Raptor Green did get the ball to start this half. They started running right out the gates. Number 15, two plays in a row, two yards and 19 yards. Number 77 took it for 11. Number 14 took it for eight. But this is where number 99 of this defense uh, really started to show his, his speed for his size. He He's a big dude, and he had a... First one, you know, was third and one. Then number 99 got a tackle for loss to bring up third and three. Then number 99, again on the next play, brought up a fourth and nine with a second tackle for loss. You know, Raptors Green just couldn't stop him, so they called a timeout. Then, you know, this Raptors Green punted again. And this is, this is where number 53 
really, really got his, you know, his bearings. He took the first play after the punt, 65-yard run. Then number eight took a five-yard scramble. Then number eight had an incompletion, bringing up about a third and seven. He found number 15, or 14, sorry, for a 15-yard pass. Another incompletion. Number 56 um, of this Raptors green team kind of had this beautiful stop up the middle. They tried to hand it off to number 56, and he just stuffed it. He was just not letting it happen, not letting it go by. They handed it right back off to this number 53 on the Thunder team, and he took it right up the middle, bringing it up. It was about a six or seven yard, you know, touchdown run, but he he drug a couple guys with him, uh, bringing up a 20 to zero, where they did actually try and go for two at this point, uh, but they did miss it. Now to start this next drive, the Raptors did come out, and they had number six get six yards, then they had him get seven yards. Then they had number two of this defense get a tackle for loss, bringing up a huge second and 21. The quarterback tried to roll out, tried to run back, and he just got there. Number 17 threw an incompletion. Number 53, he dropped a pick. It shouldn't have been a pick. He just dropped it. It happens. Um, then number 17 also had another incompletion. It was the end of the third, 20 to 0, Thunder up. You know, this Raptor Greens team just punted it. Next thing I know, this uh, Thunder team came out. And they start handing it off to double zero. Six yards, 17 yards, six yards, two yards. Then he, number, he, number double zero brought it to the four. Number 10 ended up taking it on like a reverse, taking it to, to, to the one with a three-yard gain. And then they handed it off to the big man. Number 99 taking it in for a one-yard touchdown, bringing him up 27-0. Now this Raptor Green team did have one good play on this next drive. Number 13, he did take it for 23 yards. They stalled out, turnover on downs. Um, but the next drive was uh, everyone was trying to get in on this scoring for this, uh, you know, Thunder offense. Number one took it 26 yards for a touchdown run, bringing up 35, nothing. And that was basically the rest of the game. This Raptors team at the end tried to do a couple different plays, incompletions, a couple runs. Um, I will note the number one of this defense, again, another defensive player for the Thunder, had a monster hit. He just lit this guy up over the edge. Uh, it was to end the game, actually. You know, they tried to run just a quick counter, came straight back to him, and he he put him on his butt. That's all I got to say. In the end, Thunders going to the chip. 35-0 win. Great win going into this championship game. And I want to say this defense looks monstrous. Now talking some of these players, you know, the games and stuff, but some of these players on this Raptor Green squad that I've really saw, you know, making some plays. Number 56 on this Raptor Green's defense, he was making everything and doing everything he could to make every stop. He was in on almost every tackle. Um, he was playing his heart out. I would like to also say number 77, which was, I guess, their fullback, but they also handed it off to him a lot. And number one, their two kind of running backs, they were playing great. Now, going over to uh, this Thunder team, I'm going to call out a, actually quite a few players. I'm going to start by just saying this defense, I'd like to call out every single person that plays defense on this team. Um, I just don't have the time to call all those numbers, but I will call a couple players that made some big plays this game. Starting off with number one, Chase Pruitt. He played a game on both sides. He did have an interception that got called back, you know, as a penalty, but Man, it was, it was, he took it to the house. So, you know, he's got the running and he's got the coverage, but sadly it got taken back for a call from the opposite side of the field. Big man number 99, Armani Teasley. He, uh, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with up the middle of that. 
he he took it and he took it personally when they ran for 15 yards. He brought them back like nine or ten. Their safety number three, Amani Johnson. Um, I watched him. He was in on that number 33 interception and actually number 33, Austin Stanford, who got you know that beautiful interception. Like I said, it was acrobatic. Uh, he was my next guy to call out, and then I want to call him my player of the game, number number 53, uh, Colin. I'm sorry, I don't have the last name. I'm looking at the roster. I just can't seem to find it. Um, but then I would also like to say number double zero, Jaden Ticket or Tackett, played in a monstrous game. You know, he came in really clutch at the end of that game. Just run, 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 right up the middle. He was just hard running. You know, 15, 9, 11, 2, 6, just getting it done and just like always number 21 mo um we butchered his last name last time so i'm not even gonna say it but he is an insane he's he's insane up the middle once they see him hit a couple kids you know they run the opposite way so you know he played a great game you know i talked to him after the game he said it wasn't the best defensive game for him and it was mainly because they were running away from you so don't even worry about it i watched it happen he played a great game this whole thunder team played a great game congratulations and good luck in the super bowl we'll be there to watch all right so there you go there you have it so chase prudes thunder grade team will be facing off with this raptors white team uh, at Arapahoe High School, they will be playing at 4.30 p.m. Uh, like all these games, they will be taking place November 6th, Saturday. All right, now lastly here, let me talk about the top tier of this playoff. So on one side, we have Bruins Blue versus Warriors White. Then on the other side, we have Raptors Silver versus Hawks Orange. Now, pretty much the whole crew were at both of these games. But I'm going to go ahead and let Mason talk about the Bruins Blue versus Warriors White game. And then I will talk about this Raptors Silver versus Hawks Orange game. So without further ado, let me go ahead and hand it over to Mason Austin to talk about this Bruins Blue versus Warriors White game. How's it going, everyone? My name is Mason Austin. You're listening to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We're having another AYL playoff game. Uh, This is going to be the Bruins. You know, Cherry Creek Bruins versus Warriors White. Now, to just go ahead and get right into it, the Warriors got the ball, and, you know, like they got the ball right in the first. They got it on the 20. Um, right off the gate, this this uh, Cherry Creek team came out swinging, stuffed up the middle by number 34. Number 11 had a lick, you know, right on the edge where he stuffed him right at the line. You know, false start on the Warriors. That didn't help him. Next thing I know, uh, number 34 and 78 combined together to get a sack. Fourth and 20. Warriors did go ahead and punt it. And then, you know, first play of the game, they came out throwing the ball. Number three threw a beautiful dot to the sidelines looking for his receiver. He did get called for pass interference, not the receiver, the defensive player did. And, you know, they threw it down there, got it to the 16 where they handed it straight up the middle. Number 26, Noah Moss for this Creek team. 16-yard touchdown run. Then they got the two-point conversion. 8-0 to start the game. This Warriors team wasn't out of it, though. They did go ahead and return it only to the 15. They got a black in the back call, but, you know, it's okay. Number 13 took it for four yards. Number seven took it for one. Brought up a first and 10. Uh, 15 went for 22 yards. Number 13 found number seven for three yards. Number seven for five. Number 13 for six. Then an incompletion brought up second and 10. Uh, Then number 78 again. Tackle for loss. This Caden Keller kid was killing it. You know, brought up a third and six, number 22, uh, 
for this Warriors squad. Aiden Vermin had a 22-yard gain. Number 15 went for three. Two encroachment calls in a row, which was surprising. You know, you get one, okay, but getting two in a row, it's a little bit weird. Then Creek took a timeout to go ahead and calm that defensive line down. Coming out of that, you know, Creek timeout, number 22 got a one-yard gain. Then a beautiful, and I mean beautiful coverage by number 17, Jaden Irving. Uh, they threw a screen pass. He just broke right through the screen pass. You know, went down, hit him for a one-yard gain, but number seven to get that one-yard gain. That ended the first 8-0 Creek. It was third and goal. Uh, number number 10 and number 44, um, Amari Williams, got a tackle for loss. Then they did another encroachment, but it was, you know, which brought them in first and goal. And then Creek got a stop. On the goal line, Creek got a goal line stop, which is huge for a middle school team. Right after this goal line stop, um, number 26, Jarvis Moss, did not disappoint, and he helped out this whole time because he shook one defender. I mean, he broke the safety's ankles, went 99 yards to the house, bringing 14-0 Creek, where Creek did miss the two-point conversion on the kickoff. There was a late hit by Creek. Uh, first and 15, uh, Creek was kind of holding. I'm sorry, Creek was being held. Number 31 for this Warrior squad to take it 28 yards. Then a 15-yard pass completion on the far side of the field. Uh, but number 9 came up on this next play. Made a beautiful pass deflection. Uh, the Warriors fumbled. And then um, they did recover it. Uh, number 7 went for 9 yards. But then it brought up a 4th and 2 where it was a tackle for loss. Um, I would like to call out a number, but I can't because it was the whole squad. Turnover on downs. And then, you know, this was Creek's ball where their quarterback found Hodge on a nice, you know, 30-yard throw on the run. It looked so effortless from this quarterback where Moss went ahead and took it in for another touchdown run, you know, bringing it up 20-0. to zero. This next drive for the Warriors just did go ahead and stall out and they punted. But I do want to call out number 45 on this Warriors team for making a beautiful hit downfield, you know, stuffing this punt. This kid... You know, it was a perfect, you know, textbook tackle broke down, hit him just perfectly. You can't really beat that. Uh, then they did have a number three incompletion for the Creek team. Um, then number 26, Moss took it for five, but he did go down on that play and would not return for the rest of the game. Um, we weren't sure what the injury was, but, you know, we did see him running on the sideline, working it out. But it was smart just to keep him out because, you know, he has plenty of football ahead of him. But number three, Brady Vodica, came around the edge, which surprised me. He does not look this fast on tape, and man, he had the Jets. He went 56 yards for a touchdown right after, you know, Moss went down, bringing up 28-0. Uh, you know, then the Warriors kind of stalled out again. Number three missed the pass. Then he had an incompletion. Uh, number seven went for five, fourth and 12, brought up halftime. 28-0 uh, with the creek up. Now for this, you know, second half, it was kind of a brief overview is what we wrote down, but, you know, number 12 for this Creek team, went for six, went for two, number three, found number 20 for a 20-yard reception, number 12 went for six, then they got called for holding, you know, they had an incompletion, uh, but Brady Vodica got it done with his feet again, bringing up 34-0 with a rushing touchdown, um, this Warriors team drove down the field, you know, handing it off, little dink and dunk plays, you know, play actions. They were calling a good game, got all the way down, 
where they did end up having number 13 get a six-yard reception for a touchdown, being the first and only score they had all game, where number 34, or sorry, it was 34 to 8. Um, that is how we'd end the game, but I do want to say there was a play where, you know, the Creek team did hand the ball back to them, and, you know, they had a run where number 10 was on a block down the field, and he started getting all up in the Creek players' faces, and I liked how the Creek coaching staff handled it, brought all their players back, said, we're not like that, we don't get in people's faces like that. This kid was all in their face doing, you know, like, the we're eating thing, like, man, what you eating, like, come on. You guys are down by a lot. Don't don't be doing that. Don't get in anybody's face. There's no point. It's a middle school football game. I know you're angry because you're losing, but, like, get over it. You guys lost. Now, that being said, for this uh, Warrior team, I do want to call out a couple numbers. Uh, number 22, Aiden Verman. He, uh, he was definitely playing his heart out. He had some great pickups. Number 31, Elijah, I'm sorry, I don't have a last name, but I do have word that he is a seventh grader, and he was he was playing good. He was doing what he had to do. He was receiving great. Um, it was good to see him out there, you know, as a seventh grader playing a year up. That's kind of can be intimidating, but he was playing with the big guys there. Now I'd like to say uh, this Creek coaching staff kept a very you know calm presence, and it was really cool to see you know at the middle school level they weren't letting their kids you know do all of what the other team was doing at the end there so i'd like to say thank you to the creek coaching staff for keeping it professional but i'd also like to say uh that number three brady vodica getting it done with his feet twice he had a great game um he was throwing the ball insane he looked effortless um it was pretty cool to see out there uh he's definitely taller than when you know simon and cody did their film breakdown on him which is cool to see he's definitely growing into that army as now the big man, number 78, Caden Keller, he was killing it up the middle for this defensive line, uh, just blasting the middle every play he could. He was doing a great job, great footwork, great hands. He was looking really good out there. Number 17, Jaden Irving, he did play corner and some wide receiver. He had a couple of good catches, but at corner, he was a shutdown corner. They went this way a couple times, but every time that it was in that receiver's hands, he was on the ground, like as quick as you could see it. It was pretty crazy to see uh, great hits. He was a solid hitter. This whole Creek defense was hitting pretty hard. Now, I do want to go ahead and call out Noah Moss, number 26. He is our, you know, player of the game. Um, we hope he does great, and we hope we get to see him again in that, you know, final game when they go to the chip. Creek is going to the chip. But, you know, he, he ran, he shook a guy so cleanly. 99 yards, he had three rushing touchdowns, plus two two-point conversions, you know, he was playing his game, it's sad to see him go down, but we're pretty sure he's okay, we're pretty sure they pulled him out, because they knew that they, you know, they were in the lead, they didn't need him, and they didn't want to force him to do anything to hurt himself worse, um, I will say congratulations Creek, and good luck next week in the chip. Alright, there you go, so as you heard, uh, the Cherry Creek Bruins will be meeting the winner of this Raptors Silver versus Hawks Orange game here. And so let me go ahead and hop into it. This game was a classic from the hop. It was a good one. You know, you had a lot of great players on both sides that we're going to shout out here. And so I'm going to just go ahead and hop into this game. And then if I miss any players and plays, um, well, I'll, I'll shout them out at the end of the game because there is plenty of talent here to go around. So to start off this showdown, I'm pretty sure these Hawks got the ball first. 
but number 12 Caleb Petrie for the Raptors silver gets a clean interception to go ahead and shut that drive down and then the Raptors would get a nice touchdown run from number 36 Noam Baumgart at least that's what I, I, I hope I'm saying your last name right, so I don't mean any disrespect by that. But he goes ahead and puts the Raptors up six points. Uh, they would miss the conversion after that, though. But regardless, Raptors go ahead and strike first and make it six. Oh, after that, the Hawks, they would go ahead and get into an eye formation and give Riken Banks the ball. He is their star running back. Riken Banks, number 26, last year. Well, actually, I guess it was this year, but this year... I did do a film analysis of his game along with three other Dakota Ridge players. So if you want to check out that episode, go ahead. But Riken Banks, we've been known he's a stud over here on the Playmakers Corner. And so it was it was honestly a privilege to be able to see him play live for the first time. And for that game to be against a very tough Raptors silver team that we've covered throughout the season. And if you have been following us this season, you already know that they have a strong defensive line. Well, just a strong line in general. And so this was going to be as good a test as any. But they go ahead, get Riken Banks the ball a couple times and whatnot. But the Raptors do eventually stop that drive and get the ball back. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it was the Hawks' turn to go ahead and stay in strong on defense. And so they would punt it back to the Hawks eventually. On this Hawks drive, T.I., we've talked about him, big old number 64 for the Raptors, gets a monster hit on this drive, absolutely leveling the ball carrier in the backfield. And that wasn't the only big hit. Be prepared for a lot more. But this Hawks quarterback, number 9, Michael Marcinich, he finds his guy, number 14, on a dot and goes ahead and gets the first down, recovers some of that loss yardage then right after that Riken Banks just talked about him earlier he has a sensational 50 plus yard touchdown run where he made a lot of great cuts and he just oh my god like he has elite agility we just gotta say that because he shook a couple players and then he found open space and he just hit it and he was out of there 50 plus yards to the house to go ahead and tie this game up six to six the hawks would also get the two-point conversion though and make it eight to six and take that lead real quick now, the Raptors would get the ball back and they drive uh, into the red zone, but the Hawks actually got a huge fourth down stop there. Go ahead and avoid a, you know, another potential momentum swing there and get the ball back. And so the Hawks would get the ball and begin their drive. It would basically end with Riken Banks. Once again, um, this time instead of running it, he would actually catch the ball. And so what happened is that he would start out in shotgun and then they motioned him over to the slot wide receiver position where he basically just ran like a crossing route to the other side of the field and he was just wide open and his quarterback uh, Marcinich number nine found him pretty easily you know he was all on his own on the sideline and then he took that 40 plus yards to the house on a 40 plus yard touchdown reception making it 16 to six they would also get that two-point conversion now on this next drive though Jaden Rin 
He had a great game this game, including on this drive. He would come up huge with a first down catch where he just got popped. And this was a hard-hitting game throughout. You know, there are a lot of hard hits on both sides. This was a very tough game. But Jaden Wren, he goes ahead and hauls in a big first down catch, um, taking the hit as well. And then, you know, moving this uh, Raptors offense forward for at least one more down. Amari Kyle, number one, would also grab another very good catch on this drive for a first down, followed by another Jaden Wren catch and run this time for a first down. And so these two were basically just going back and forth at receiver, making big plays on this drive. Amari Kyle would draw a pretty important pass interference call to set up the Raptors in the red zone, where eventually number 19, their quarterback, J.B. Borland would take it himself and scramble into the end zone, making it 12-16. to 16. They would get the two-point conversion and go ahead and make it a 14-16 to 16 game. That would end the first half. Uh, a very close game at halftime. So, going into the third quarter, what went down after a couple drives where nothing too much happened. Both of these teams were just playing really good physical defenses, forcing punts and stuff like that. Number 26, Kane Brackney, where the Raptors gets a huge play where he just absolutely stonewalls the Hawks running back on fourth down. And that would result in them turning over the ball to the Raptors. After that, number four, Kobe Dooley for the Raptors. We've talked about him a lot this season, but this was probably his first huge, uh, I would say, offensive gain of the game. He just ripped off a huge run, getting the Raptors to the 12-yard line, thanks to great blocking from his uh, from his line. So, shout out to, you know, Demarcus Holt, T.I., all them boys over there that we've been talking about the last couple weeks opening it up. But Kobe Dooley goes ahead and gets them into the uh, red zone there. But then this Hawks defense, they would play very well. Number two on the Hawks, he would make a great pass deflection in a one-on-one -on -one situation. So there you go. And then Nate Helms, number 57. Haven't talked about him a lot so far, but throughout this game, he was, get he was just getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run and really just setting that edge. He does play for the junior buffs as well, so I'm sure we've talked about him before, but this is the first time we're talking about him uh, on the Hawks. And he would actually have a very big impact play right here on fourth down, where he just got pressure on the quarterback and forces an incompletion on fourth down, getting the ball back to the Hawks before the Raptors could potentially score and take the lead. After that happened, Riken Banks once again goes crazy and rips off a 79-yard touchdown run. We absolutely broke a couple defenders' ankles, and he goes ahead and makes that a 22-14 game right there. Obviously, they wouldn't get the two-point conversion, so 22-14, an eight-point lead. Now, I believe we are either approaching the beginning of the fourth quarter or the end of the third quarter, but the Raptors wouldn't go down just yet because on a following drive later in this game, Amari Kyle 
will then answer back with a huge 40 plus yard reception just absolutely mossing the one defender in front of him it was basically just one-on-one -on -one coverage uh jb the quarterback he threw it up there amari kyle he just made a fantastic play that flipped the field for the raptors completely and they're on the other side and then later on in this drive he would then go up in the end zone and snag another highlight worthy catch and score a touchdown um, and then obviously the Raptors would go ahead and, you know, convert the two-point conversion, making it a tied game 22-22 to with the fourth quarter just beginning. At this point in the game, it, it could really be anybody's game, you know. The momentum swings are crazy going back and forth. And so both teams know that, you know, both teams are capable of not only stopping them four straight downs, but also scoring as well when given the chance and so basically it would come down to whoever would have the ball last and so on this next drive ti one more time actually two more times because it happened twice in a row in this drive he comes up big with two huge hits in the backfield that forces a very long third and long situation for this Hawks team, they would eventually punt the ball. And that's almost single-handedly because T.I. got into the backfield two plays in a row and just absolutely obliterated whoever was handing off the ball. Because I think he disrupted the handoff on one. And then he went ahead and almost disrupted another one but still got the guy down. And so, there you go. Huge defensive stop for the Raptors. But on this drive... This Raptors team, they're moving the ball until Nate Helms once again comes up big and he just blows up an underthrown bubble pass screen. And then following that play, um, this number 16 on the Hawks, he gets a huge interception on an underthrown pass. Uh, but luckily, one of the Raptors linemen, he goes ahead and has a touchdown saving tackle, preventing that from being returned. I believe it was Demarcus Holt, but I could be wrong there. And so... The Hawks, they have the ball, but that drive stalls out. And so the Raptors get the ball, but are getting pressure from Nate Helms and company. And so at this point, it's a defensive lockdown. Both teams are locking up and whatnot. It is tough out there. And so shout out to all those defensive players. But on this Hawks team, uh, specifically on that Raptors drive, uh, Nate Helms and number 88 for this Hawks team. They were just getting a lot of pressure, screaming off the edges and whatnot. Um, making the quarterback very uncomfortable if I'm being completely honest there but on this Raptors drive two Hawks players hit Kobe Dooley and he does fumble the ball and it is recovered by no other than Riken Banks uh, a huge fumble recovery for this Hawks team but following that one on this Hawks drive number 26 Kane Brackney for the Raptors absolutely lays a hit on Hawks quarterback Michael Marcinich number nine and it's a nasty hit like he would have got the first down if Kane wasn't there but he absolutely nails him and uh the quarterback actually gets hurt 
and Michael comes out of the game. It seems like he may have gotten shooken up a little bit, maybe a concussion or something else, but regardless, he comes out, and that drive kind of stalls without their quarterback there to lead that drive. And so the Raptors get the ball back. A lot of going back and forth in case you didn't notice. But on this drive, number 19, J.B. Borland, the quarterback, finds Jaden Rin one more time. And Jaden Rin makes a beautiful diving first down catch going ahead and extending this Raptors drive here. But then, and look, I'm just going to be honest here, number 19, he doesn't make the greatest decision here. And he kind of just throws it up there. He's trying to find one of his big receivers, Mari Kyle or Jaden Rin. I forgot which one it was, but he's trying to find them for a home run play here in the fourth quarter. But unfortunately, it just does not work out. And number three, Tristan Tafoya for the Hawks gets a key interception, setting up the final drive. For the Hawks. Now, like I said, in this fourth quarter, it was back and forth with a lot of defensive plays. And so, honestly, both teams felt confident that even if the other team was to drive into the red zone, they have the ability to stop them. So, nobody was really panicking that much at this point. I wouldn't necessarily say that people were calling that a game-ending interception or anything crazy like that. And so when this interception happened, there was about a minute left, a little bit over a minute left, in this game and so the Hawks they handed off to Riken Banks obviously and a couple of their other guys uh, to eventually get into the red zone and then after some runs they do find themselves in a third down situation with the ball on the four yard line and they just called their last timeout I believe there's 18 seconds left in the game so the Hawks they go ahead call the play it's run and T.I. he completely blows up the play like he shucks his lineman and he gets into the backfield like maybe five or six yards deep into the backfield and absolutely nails the ball carrier and then he kind of holds him up so that the other Raptors players could come along and try to strip this ball um, but what ends up happening is that nobody really like at least I didn't see nobody getting in there and really trying to claw out the ball. They kind of just bear hugged the guy to stop him. Because if they did, then, you know, that would basically run out the clock. It would be fourth down. They would have to run a play pretty quickly here. But, and then this is where the controversy happens. Because no doubt about it, um, this was a controversial ending, at least in my eyes, and in the eyes of everyone that was there, and, you know, the Playmakers Corner, like me and the other guys, we've talked about it, and so we've all come to agreement that this wasn't the right call, but the ref, instead of calling the play down, they would throw a flag, and they would say that it was a face mask, and it wasn't, because we were literally, like, we were as close to the sideline, as close to the field as we could get. Like, there was no, nobody's hands were anywhere near this kid's face. He was very much wrapped up there. And so, AYL, I'm calling you out. You gotta hold your refs responsible for that one. Because that was a terrible call. It just was. Because not only did they call the face mask, obviously because they're so close to the goal line, they went ahead and called... You know, they, they placed the ball half the distance to the goal line and then gave this Hawks team a fresh set of downs. And then naturally the clock stops as well because it was a defensive penalty. And so gave the Hawks a whole bunch of chances after that. And so, look, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some of the Hawks players would say it themselves, like, yeah, it wasn't a face mask, but they called it. That's what happened. And because of that, not only did the clock stop instead of it rolling, not only was it first down instead of fourth down, but they're closer to the goal line as well. And so, what would happen, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about that for now, stop talking about that missed call for now, but what would happen is that Michael Barsonich, number nine, he, would, he was back in the game at this point, and on a fake toss power play, he would take it himself and score the game-winning touchdown for the Hawks. Now they would go for two, but TI once again comes up big and just absolutely destroys the play on that two point conversion and uh, forces a fumble as well. But in AYO, I don't think you could return those. So it's 28 22 Hawks. Now at this point, the Raptors have about two seconds left in the game. Fair catch, the kick return. Uh, then on the final play, the snap is muffed. And then basically, that's how the game ends. The Hawks are going to the Super Bowl to go face the Bruins. And actually, this Hawks team has beat this Bruins team before this season. So this one on Saturday will be an interesting one, to say the least. And before I forget, um, that game is at 2 p.m. between Bruins Blue and Hawks Orange over at Arapahoe High School. And so that's where that Super Bowl will be played. We'll for sure be there, and uh, we hope to see a lot of y'all out there this weekend. Let me go ahead and talk about, I guess... My raw reaction to this game after I've, uh, you know, recapped it and my opinions, they are obviously my opinions, but a lot of them are shared by the other members on this podcast. So, uh, look, that that call was horrible. I'm just going to say that that face mask call was as bad as it got. We were all there. I'm pretty sure some of the Hawks, like, you know, parents and players could see it, too. There was no way. And heck, that was a face mask or even close to it. And, you know, for that to be called when the play should have been called down first off because they kind of didn't call anything. Um, like it got blown up and then they let T.I. and the boys carry him around for like another second or two. And so it should have been called down, you know, right then. But they didn't. And they call a face mask call, which was just wrong. It just wasn't right. And, you know, that definitely gave the Hawks another opportunity. Now, that doesn't take away from this Hawks win because, look, let, let's say that does go into overtime. Uh, that face mask call never happens. So it goes into overtime. It's still anybody's game. You don't know. It doesn't guarantee that the Raptors win it. You know, if they didn't have that many turnovers in the fourth quarter, they probably would have won this game. So, you know, there's that as well. Um, both teams played very well. And they're both deserving to go to the championship game. I don't think that's lost on anybody. These teams are both extremely talented and they played their hearts out. And so just because there's one bad call doesn't take away this win from the Hawks. Um, but, you know, even if the call didn't happen, it doesn't mean that the Raptors were guaranteed to win this game either. So there you go. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, for most of this i guess day of playoff games in the AYL uh, the refs were very good they're extremely good this game i'm not going to lie they were throwing a lot more flags that i didn't see in other games that's just my honest opinion they were throwing kind of a lot of flags here and then this last flag i i mean it, it was the wrong call that's all we could say here and everyone agrees on that it was just the wrong call 
you know and for that to happen in a close matchup here with literally seconds left is unacceptable that's nobody's fault but the adults in this AYL league and the refs there so I'm just gonna go ahead and smack y'all the face with that real quick because y'all deserve that uh, to the players y'all played absolutely amazing this was a heart and soul game for both of these teams both of these teams are ready to put it on the line for this game you know they were both showing a lot of heart just babbling babbling throughout this game enduring the hard hits Riken Banks was getting beat up by T.I. and this Raptors squad because there were a lot of times here that they absolutely stuffed him and they couldn't get anything up the middle, you know. Both of Riken's big runs mostly came from popping outside and whatnot. So there you go. Um, but they were just battling. And this isn't, obviously, that's no shade to Riken because Riken Banks, for him to endure the beating that he did and to still break off these runs and make big plays, not only on offense, but on defense as well. Defensively, he did a good job just setting that tone, making a lot of hard hits there. Nate Helms on this Hawks team. Uh, he was one of the linemen on offense and on defense. He did play that edge. Uh, first off, as a defensive player, he absolutely killed it, you know, because this Raptors team, they have a lot of different skill players. Jaden Wren, Amari Kyle, number 19, JB Borland, uh, Colby Dooley as well. They have a lot of skill players. And so if you don't get pressure on the quarterback, that's a that's a tough game to win if you're playing the Raptors and they have a great line too so there you go speaking of the Raptors I think the only player I didn't get to talk about on this Raptors team was number 25 Vincent Janetti he plays safety uh, he got in some hard hits in there as well you know there are a lot of gang tackles in this game so it was definitely hard to like just pick out certain numbers and whatnot um while doing this recap but he was definitely in it he was scrapping up in there uh just doing his thing man setting the tone um against receivers obviously he did his thing as well being physical playing good coverage and so he was really a part of this raptors defense that just battled uh just kept battling until the end here uh, speaking of, uh, I think there's only one other Hawks player that I didn't talk about. That's number 79, Gage Turnbull. Uh, I believe he was on that line, and he did his thing. I mean, to go up against a T.I., uh, DeMarcus Hole, all these boys. Like, that's not, that's probably the hardest blocking assignment in all of 8th grade. As far as 8th graders go uh, in Colorado, because they're, they're tough. They're going to be... If not, well, okay, they're probably the best in the nation right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so for him to stand up to them and do his thing as well, you know, that makes him one of the best in the country as well. And so a very star-studded game uh, in this one. And th it showed, you know, both teams, they were just babbling. There was, oh my God, there was a lot of momentum swings. This was one of the best. No, actually, this was the best playoff game that we watched all day. Definitely the closest one that we watched. And, you know, it kind of deserved his primetime slot right here at 730. Uh, a little bit later than that because there was some games that went longer than um, they, they meant to. So, you know, it is what it is there. But, regardless, uh, this was a fantastic game. You know... I, I'm just going to be real. I feel really bad for these players on this Raptors silver team from the Springs. 
and I'll admit it, I'm biased. Like, I'm I'm from the Springs. Like, I played high school ball in the Springs. I went to high school in the Springs. I've went to a lot of Pine Creek games here as well for on the freshman level and the varsity level. And, you know, I know a lot of these players, they will be going to either Pine Creek or Vista Ridge. Um, one of those two. And then, you know, there's probably some that might end up at Palmer Ridge or whatever. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of the high schools around here. And I expect to see a lot of these players pop up over the next four years because this is probably one of the most talented teams that I've that I've simply ever seen you know um not only in this playoffs but just ever and so they definitely got to keep their head up if there was a way for both teams to make it would have been down for it but that's not how games go there's a winner and there's a loser that's how it goes down you know and if you want to win you find a way to do it and then you win and then that's exactly what this Hawks team did they persevered they <laughs> they they played a tough game this was a like jaw cleaning day basically a hard hitting game and now they get a chance to face the bruins blue in the super bowl Be before i you know end this segment and eventually this episode the player of the game for this game is Riken banks two huge rushing touchdowns um, both 50 plus yard rushing touchdowns also tag on a you know casual 40 plus yard receiving touchdown as well i mean <laughs> he scored three fourths of this team's points basically uh throughout this game i believe he must have gotten some two-point conversions as well and then still playing defense as well you know he made some big hits on defense as well and so reichen banks he is the player of the game here and so that'll basically wrap up this episode before i dip out let me go ahead and talk about the super bowls this saturday november 6th at arapaho high school all of these games will be at arapaho high school here and so the first super bowl of the day starts at 9 a.m you got bruins white versus spartans chrome right after that we have dj bordeaux and companies spartans black versus the south jeffco gray outlaws uh they play at 11:30 a.m following that game you have bruins blue led by brady vodka and noah moss heading up against hawks orange that's riken banks and nate helms's team once again that starts at 2 p.m and then the last game of the day we have chase pruitt's thunder gray team going up against raptors white at 4 30 p.m like i said all at arapaho high school so go ahead you know clear your schedules and whatnot i know there are actually some playoff games going on on saturday on the 1a and 2a level for sure unfortunately we won't be able to go to those uh just because i mean this is going to be going on all day anyways but you know well there, there'll be plenty of times for that but if you're not going to one of those high school playoff games go ahead and come down to arapaho high school uh, by the way, Cody Stoffer and Mason Austin's old uh, stomping grounds right here. They're both former A-Rap Warriors uh, for the squad. But go ahead and come to Arapahoe High School and check out some of these middle schoolers here. I'm not joking when I say this class of 26 like group. And a lot of them are on one of these teams that are vying for a championship here. 
but this class of 26 group is special here in Colorado. This could be the greatest class of football players that Colorado has ever produced. And a lot of people agree on that. A lot of players, coaches, parents, we definitely do. And so we're here for it on Saturday. Come out and support him. See some of the great talent. This last weekend, you know, honestly, we saw so much great talent. Uh, shout out to all the players who we met uh parents as well coaches and whatnot we really appreciate y'all's support and you know we look forward to this saturday and seeing it all go down seeing who's going to be our champs and you best bet that we'll be there for it and we'll be covering these championship games next week on next week's episode but thank you so much for rocking with us if you want to stay updated on everything we got coming out here Go ahead and follow one of our social medias. Show us some love. You know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all at the Playmakers Corner. Uh, we'll be on there. And then if you are listening to this on a major streaming platform, which I assume you are, go ahead and give us a good rating. We appreciate all of y'all's support. And by the way, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those great stuff uh, just to make it easier on y'all. But once again... Thank you for rocking with us. This is the middle school episode. So tomorrow, uh, November 3rd, the high school episode should release. That's the recap. We'll talk last week of the regular season. Uh, we'll preview the playoff brackets and whatnot. Make our predictions there um, before the you know postseason for 1A, 2A, 4A, and 5A. Uh, 3A is still going on. They have their last regular season uh games this week i believe so there you go but 1a 2a 4a and 5a should be having playoff games this week we're gonna predict them and then we're also gonna announce what playoff games we will be going to uh, and covering so there you go but once again thank you so much and have a good day or night peace